insert your own theme tune here. That's Nick's catchphrase. <laughs> we have Jen Brisbane. We'll introduce you properly, but first of all, just explain. Nick says that every time because we're so lazy that we haven't actually got a, haven't a got theme a... tune. And somewhere we believe there is someone listening to us who does sing his own theme tune at this point. <laughs> really sadly. <laughs> do, you, do you not? Do you not listen back with your own... Just, just sit there with an accordion. Was it with like an accordion? Is that your theme tune in your head as you're thinking about it? Sometimes. Sometimes it's a high concept synth piece. Sometimes. <laughs> so <laughs> it's so lazy. It's Let's ridiculous. say who we are like professionals. It's the same during sex, apparently. <laughs> Set your own penis here. Like, <laughs> hell, Nick, yeah. really. Do it. So, right, sorry. Hello, I'm Nick Doody. Hello, I'm Kerry Marks. That was a bottle bank emptying behind us. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you are in Edinburgh, there is a bottle bank emptying <laughs> somewhere just bank. outside your venue, <laughs> yeah. outside your flat. It should be called Bottle Bank, bro, if they were honest. <laughs> we have another guest. Hey. We're still Hooray. in Edinburgh and we have another guest. You introduced Jen Brister. <laughs> All right, I think you've taken the wind out of the cell. <laughs> Please introduce Jen Brister so people know who's up. Introduce Jen Brister. You well, people. It's Jen it Brister. Like. Oh, I wanted to do it. I thought you were going to say, no, you do it. We could keep this up for like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you for coming on our podcast. I know, I'm absolutely delighted. <laughs> Looks almost as shambolic as the one I do. Oh, really? Yeah, tell no us, about, tell us about your one. Oh, God. It's a bit like this, but uh, with no sort of cerebral sort do you of content. Have a theme tune? No. no. Oh, actually, no, 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 no. I pick up something from Garage Band. Something really terrible, like a harmonica playing or something. You know. It's already lots more professional than ours. Yeah, that sounds like you're editing it. I yeah. am editing it. You well, edit it? We don't edit, no. Do you not edit yours? No, all mistakes are in. If you've got time later to show me how to edit a podcast, <laughs> this, 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 we're, we're already winning. <laughs> Was it like, it starts here, it ends here, and that's it? Yeah. Oh yeah, this is going oh, perfect. out. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I feel yeah. like I am. Any mistakes, winning. anyone gets hurt, that's <laughs> I'm tough. Yeah. You, you, you get caught out, say, so we just go, that's not true. Allegedly. <laughs> 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 Um, yeah, so, what is your podcast? I'm doing one with Maureen Younger, uh, and it's really, uh, we do it sporadically. It's never, it's not even weekly, it's whenever we can do it. And people listen to it, I don't know Sporadic's the way to go, isn't it? No, it's not. That's what we do, we love sporadic. Sporadic is definitely not the way to go. Yes, it is. You can't build an audience if they never know when the bloody podcast is going to come out. People love surprises. (laughs) Oh, look, they put another one out. Oh, thank It's been six weeks. Oh, people are always complaining. Oh, bloody another Wednesday, another one out. So predictable. (laughs) (laughs) How's yours going? How long have you been doing it for? How long have we been doing it for, Nick? Uh, Nick's the one with the information. This will be like 1920 episodes. Oh, okay, cool. So it's still quite a a fledgling podcast. It's quite young as a child. Oh, nice. newborn. Yeah. be, be, Be gentle. Do you get interactions? Do you get people contacting you and go, guys, the next time you're going to talk about the blah, blah, blah? Or do they um, sort yeah, of like... Yeah, we get a few yeah, of, of things here and there, but um, no one's gotten angry about anything yet. We've, we've tried to make people angry a few say... times, and we've gone really solidly down and saying, oh, that's, that's bollocks, and <laughs> someone's going to go, no, it's not. Kerry, I'd be really surprised if you haven't made someone angry somewhere. Well, maybe they just expect it of me. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe people just go, oh, it's just Kerry. I'm not incapable of making anyone it. angry, I know. Yeah. So we, we did one about cultural appropriation and neither of us could find it in ourselves to give a shit about it. We, we, we just try, went, we, we, we try just got, and, we just like, yeah. it's just bullshit, just fuck off. We, <laughs> we try and be wrong sometimes, or we'll see where we could be wrong, but we don't always manage to. Yeah, I can see that. So we won like cultural appropriation, I think we just, yeah, it was a foot down one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, but it wasn't even the, all the examples we thought. No, we came up with examples where it made sense. But we always thought 
there was some other reason why that example was, so, you know, someone says, oh, that's wrong because it's cultural appropriation. And we went, no, it's not. It's wrong because it's racist or it's wrong because it's theft. Yeah. So what, when, when, is, when is it cultural appropriation? And when it, I always think of racism and cultural appropriation. As, cultural appropriation, is, it seems a bit clumsier than racism. Do you know what I mean? It's like someone who hasn't quite got the memo. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, it's things that are like blatantly racist. It's like there's an intent behind it. Whereas I think cultural appropriation is like, we just really like this and so we've decided that it's ours now. If you've stolen, a, say, a Maori dance or something and you're doing it badly, as well, and obviously you've not done it with their permission, then that, that, that would be appropriating something. But not, not if you're eating Indian food. Well, eating Indian? How is that a cultural or, appropriation? Or wearing, wearing a Chinese-style dress. Yeah. Just like, why the hell should you not... What's what's your feeling about women? This is the other thing. What's my feeling about women? Oh, what's right, let's go. Now we've launched. <laughs> right, let's switch this off now. <laughs> Get the feminist. Let side. me tell you a story. Let me tell you what I think about women. No, um, do you remember in the 90s, girls used to wear those bindis? And then it all yeah. went mad. Especially went in India. No, but like, there you know, white girls in, in like, uh, like the Glastonbury there Festival. Was the, wandering yeah, there was one they'd been yeah. wearing it for yeah. a while. And then it went, oh, cultural appropriation. What's your feeling about that? Uh, um... I get that a bit. If it's, it's a thing that's supposed to have religious significance. Yeah, if you're Hindu, you, it has yeah. a religious significance, doesn't it? But I also think it's interesting that people only give a shit when it's people with darker skin whose uh, religious affiliations are being used like that. So, to, no, you know, nobody cares about people wearing crucifixes and as a fashion item. No. Whereas to a Christian, that's every bit as, as offensive. But you can pretty much do anything... Uh, you could be as insulting or as, you know, I don't know, inappropriate as you want about Christianity in a way yeah. that you couldn't about pretty much any other religion because it's sort of rooted in our culture. Well, we don't recognise it as oppressive, yeah. or, or rather we don't see it as Christians are oppressed, I guess. No, although, Unless you're right. in, I don't know... Uh, I don't know where are they oppressed? Is Syria? No, not Syria. They're, oh, they're, Syria they're there'll oppressed. be places, yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll be a bit more marginalised, I guess. Yeah, definitely. There's places where it's risky to be a Christian. But it's also they're fun to make fun of. That's the problem. Isn't they it? are quite a lot of fun, actually. They, they yeah. wear funny things. And they think. Funny well, because they're also because they're not because they're not oppressed. And they're not oppressed. Well, not overall. And also, not, not worldwide. Yeah, here, I mean, yeah, yeah, here or indeed just uh, internationally. I mean, nobody can say that like the Catholic Church seems to be, or the Church of England look like they're sort of uh, being oppressed or struggling or having any. You know, every single uh, superpower is like I'm a Christian. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they do. That's a very good um, impression of all Christians. Of a superpower. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Listen to me. <laughs> What's um, what angles you got in your show this year? Um, what did you do? Very you, angry what, show. When, when did you come up with the idea for your show? Um, well, the thing with the show is that uh, it's it kind of is a few ideas that then kind of became a whole show. So there was a few things. One, my mum moved in with me. You um, seem fine about that. <laughs> she moved in in January. She's still there. <laughs> I just let you just. I'm just going to Scotland for a month. I'm going to Scotland for a month. <laughs> we'll be back in a um, few minutes. Uh, and uh, that that opened up a can of worms in a way where um, look, I I love my mum, but we don't get on and. Um, I think there was a few things like I. You know, you're supposed to get on with mums, really. But I always think, but the thing is, I've got. From a distance, you know, mums are great for, you know, yeah. every now and then. Well, but... like, you know, twice a year or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but not every single. What was the reason day. why she moved in? 
Well, I was trying to do the right Gen-Z's thing. material. I, yeah, I need a new hour. And so I said, come on, Mum. Um, so you basically decided to set up a sitcom in your actual life. Uh, well, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, three uh, mothers trying to parent two children. Um, she uh, was is moving to Brighton, where I live, and so right. it, it takes a while, doesn't it, to find a place to move into a place. And what I should have said right. to her is, rent a property... And then while you're renting, look. But what I said was, I've got a spare room, Mum. Come and stay with me. And, wow, that is a very dramatic uh, washing machine. Um, And uh, so she did. And uh, it took forever to find a place. And then for the once she found a place and bought it, for that to go through. And then she bought a place that needed doing up. So then that's still happening. So, like... We're talking years now. I mean, we're talking... It's nine... Eight, it's eight months. Eight months. It's been eight months. Right. Um, wow. Okay. So, um, at, she's comfortable, isn't she? <laughs> she? She bedded herself in, and um, I've got. So I, I think what happened when I when I started writing the show was like that. That start was that was simmering away in the background, and then um, because I've got two boys and they're I've got twins, so they're, yeah. they're nearly four now, and right. there was a few things that happened when my girlfriend was pregnant and the way people responded about her being pregnant with two boys it was always women it was never men who were like oh boys are amazing it's like it's a boys boys are better it's true and then the boys are great aren't oh, they yeah. I know I Love mean especially boys. when they go up to be men kids yeah. they are men are fantastic aren't they famously wonderful in all areas yeah um, very underrated yeah no downsides <laughs> no downsides for any woman not at all um, uh, and then uh, quite negative about having daughters people were like oh they're so manipulative you never know what they're thinking blah 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 and I just thought that was really interesting are you saying this coming mostly from women or men all, no not never from men <coughs> literally never I never heard never from a bloke always from a woman I wonder if there's a thing where and it's just a weird thing the way women seem to be so positive about sons and so negative about daughters Jenna are women really the patriarchy are they the women I think women are, hiding behind are it product all? of the patriarchy Carrie thank uh, you very much are they um, secretly controlling it by strings <laughs> or something yeah they're the Illuminati in men say this <laughs> with, their, with their puppet strings um, so uh so there was there was a bit of that, and then I. I oh, oh, why, why do you think? Why, why is it that women have that? Where's it come from? What is it? Project, because it, there, there is we we're, we're all a product of the society we live in, and so um, if we look at the way our mothers mother us, it's often I'm not saying that there's not a lot of love. There is, but there's also a huge amount of judgment, and often a lot of projection of their unfulfilled or for, you know dreams where they're like, well, I didn't do that, so I want you to do that. I want right. you to have that, and that can often manifest itself in criticism, and often manifest itself on sort of yeah, just feeling judged all the time. Right. And I spoke to a lot of my friends, and they were like, oh yeah, for sure, that's totally my experience. And then I talked to like blokes, and they were like, oh no, you know. I mean, this is a huge generalisation here, I realise that. It's not the same for every bloke, obviously. But on the whole, I think that blokes had a different sort of... have a different relationship with their mum. Even if they don't massively get on as adults, in that in those formative years, it's a lot more like, you, you can do this, I believe in you, blah, blah, blah. Whereas right. with daughters, it's like, oh, you look fat in that love, you know. <laughs> it is different, right? Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I've, I've, never met, I've never met a bloke whose mother tells them not to smile because it'll give them wrinkles. Yeah. 
But that, that's a particular kind of controlling... Or, or comments on your weight, or comments on your what oh, you're wearing. That, that, I've, that I've come on, across. Yeah, like, my mum's constantly talking about how my hairdresser hates me. Because uh, she just doesn't like my haircut. And right. um, you know, I don't think your hairdresser likes you. I think she does. I asked for this haircut, Mum. I think she thinks it's an accident every time I go into the hairdressers, I come out with short hair. It's like, um, it's very aggressive with me, I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. She hasn't figured it out that you just, I like this look, Mum. You're not convinced her. This is not a coincidence. I know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Could you just like, glue some off cuts like, back some onto Some sort of like <laughs> extensions just at the back, like some glorious mullet. <laughs> so, so that's the theme in the show. And then I was looking at how... So, so women who think you're, you're lucky to have boys. Right. Oh God! I, look, I'm, I'm. It's not. Wasn't just. But you got a chance woman. to mess them up and prove them wrong. Oh, I'm gonna. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm destroy them. I'm gonna prove them wrong. <laughs> I think. I think if we're gonna believe your thesis, you have to mess up one boy and use the other as a control group. You're right. Yeah. You've got twins. I don't know if that's a big enough sort of like if you're gonna have uh, if you're gonna set up like a what is it when you have a. You know when you you, you know when you, they have like experiments where they go, all right, we've got a hundred people and we'll try this test group out. It's not big enough sample size. Yeah, it's not big enough samples like the two of them. But I I I think that theme definitely runs through the show, and then from that forks out other things. So society okay. the way, I think no, I don't, it's not just me. I think it's true that we um, as women, as we get older, then we can be quite critical of each other. So then we're very judgmental of each other. So the whole idea of feminism being like, you know, we all sit in support of one another. Well, the, the biggest, you know, feminism's biggest um, enemy is another feminist, really, because we're always at each other's throats. It's like the left, you know. The, the, right. Nobody needs to fucking screw up. No, the, the Tories don't need to do anything. They just need to sit back and watch the left destroy themselves. And I think that's quite... There's an extent of that, isn't it? There, there is yeah. an extent of... There is a, a certain... I think it applies also with feminism and with women because we... The right are fairly consistent, aren't they? Because because most of their values are quite old values, whereas the left is and then, and the, is the one that tries to be progressive all the time. And so it's going to have exactly. More if you're going to have to explain a, a, an argument on the left, you're going to have to really sit down and have a discussion and go, look, these are the reasons why we should pay more tax, or these are the reasons why we should have a welfare state. Right. It's not like it's going to be quite a much more complex discussion and a much more complex argument. Whereas on the right, they'll go, listen, here's why you shouldn't pay tax, and here's why we shouldn't have a welfare state, and here's why, and look at these brown people; it's their fault, and and. So those arguments are consistent and they don't change. But like right. you said, we're always sort of trying. We're, we're always moving from the centre to the left, back to the centre, into the middle of the bleh, bleh, and then it's you know a mess. Well, I mean, that's happening on the right as well at the moment. Isn't with it? Brexit, it is, yeah. yeah. But even and then, Cameron was relatively sort of centre right as a politician. As this yeah. sort of centre, and then there are people on the pretty extreme right now who are threatened to take of the Tory party especially the extreme hard brexiteers but they still seem more in uh, they still seem more unified as a party than i mean I the labor they're, they're party looks like an absolute with their shit show knife in the back kind yeah of stuff. because they understand that power is the most important thing whereas yep. the left are like you know let's talk about this and it's like no <laughs> stop talking about it and just agree with one another and then keep all your keep all the infighting away from the media I think do, do you talk about the infighting in your show what, in the the feminism and stuff. Oh, yeah, I talk about... Well, I talk about uh, how women uh, who sit in judgment of one another and how we right. are our own worst enemy, definitely. I think a lot of the time when we talk about feminism, it's like um, a pro uh, we're projecting it onto 
we we are a product of of a patriarchal system, which men definitely uh, uh, um, benefit. Um, he but, does. Uh, you both do. No. Um, uh, but I also I talk about how the patriarchy is bad for men as well. So I to look at it from both from the flip side. So I think now that I've got boys, and it's something I hadn't considered before, but I think a patriarchal system definitely. Uh, uh, you're all for it now. Oh, I think it's absolutely marvellous. <laughs> for my boys, um, they will have the best. No, fuck them, they're not sucking me. <laughs> I can't get a chow down. Um, I, I think it's bad for everybody, because simply because uh, the patriarch is constantly telling men and women that women aren't equal. So what it then says is that any sort of, like, say, for example, any attributes that you associate with a woman, like, say, like, expressing how you feel, or maybe crying, or... Um, uh, just having sort of like being honest about your emotions rather than saying keep that inside because we say that those are sort of female that's a female attribute then men are told you don't want to be like that because that's what birds are like you know what you know and if we're saying that women aren't equal then that's like you don't want that's less than that's you know don't don't be like it's a, woman. a place for both though I, I, I mean the men who cry the men who don't cry and it's like everyone a world where people just be what they are, rather. But that's than... what I'm trying to say. But what I'm, what I think is that if if you are a bloke who actually is quite an emotional person, just to understand that if you have an emotion, it's not a female thing. It's just a human thing. Right. And it's, I'm not saying that all men should go out and go like like be fucking bursting into tears at every which way. But I think if you are like the right, I know a young kid and he's like such a little emotional thing. But he understands very early on at the age of six. Keep that shit in because right. he'll be teased or he'll be like, oh, you're such a you're gay, you're, you know, right. you're a bird or whatever. But if we teach boys from a young age, hey, listen, if you want to or you need to, you, you absolutely go ahead. We should make them cry. We should make them. Oh, I'm happy to do that. <laughs> but I'll wait ways. until they're a bit older, Kerry. Well, just um, I think I'm already doing that. Lessons. <laughs> Where do you think all these messages are coming from, though, really? Because, okay, most, most one-parent families are going to be female, right? Most nursery schools are run by women. Most primary schools are run by women. Most secondary schools mostly women. So, and I've and growing up, you know, I've got a sister, and and I've seen the programs that are aimed for probably the last twenty, thirty years. Most aimed programs aimed at females are, are empowering or got an empowering message. So, where are these messages still coming from? Do you think? But the, is it just passed on? Or is it just yeah, through boys or through it's societal? And I don't think you're doing it deliberately. There's no woman that's deliberately trying to make her daughter feel bad or make her son, you know, whatever, feel like he can't be or do whatever. It's you know, there's only so much you can do as a parent anyway, because once they get out in society, they pick up and go to school, they pick up stuff that you're like, well, I've never told you that. And you, I don't know where you've got that from. Like my boys and Are now, you seeing that with four-year-olds? I, I, we don't have guns in our house. We've never, we've, they've never watched anything <laughs> with guns. Shocking for a no, Brighton just, household. I mean, Where's this going? I toys. Okay. I don't mean actual right. guns. Um, so <laughs> they've, we've, already committed, they've already committed several murders. <laughs> I mean, we let them watch the Columbine. Uh, we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, come on. Something to aspire you, you to. You're going to school soon. Here's a little bit of the primer. <laughs> on Brought back bought, someone else for you to mug, kids. I bought you a leather coat and some fucking dark music. Um... We're going to the bank again, boys. <laughs> you know, Put on your they, masks. They do pick up stuff like, uh, all right. Say for example, I've never like we've never talked to them about like killing or death or right. or guns or you know. And they're you know a you know a one year at nursery they come back. You're dead. You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Two sort of like fucking carpet munchers for parents, <laughs> you know, liberal kind, kind of Brightonians, and you're going around killing each other. It's like it's not something that we've 
um, taught them or, you know, they pick up stuff. And I think, you but know, but whatever you're doing as a parent, you, yeah. you, you, I think we will have a huge influence on our children. I, and I know that I'll, my boys will grow up and I'm hopefully confident that they'll be happy, confident, um, empathetic young men who will get on with women and like women, of course. But so they're a different generation. And I think I'm talking not so much about this generation, but I'm sort of talking about particularly ours. I think, I think, I think it's just I think it's just different and um, although we might be a bit more woke or a bit more enlightened about a lot of things you know we do live in a bubble like this is sort of you know if you you don't have to go far out of this bubble to see that not everybody's thinking in the same way that we are and those those traditional um, uh, roles as men or as women or those or those stereotypical tropes that we sort of go oh that doesn't happen anymore still very much oh massively just thinking and where we all live and, I mean, yeah Kerry lives in North London yeah and that's probably the little <laughs> Like, I, yeah, live in yeah, 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 I live in Hebden Bridge. I know exactly. Which yeah. is another, this is the most, <laughs> the most, considering only one of us is female, this is the most lesbian podcast. <laughs> You're saying London's very lesbian. Hebden well, Bridge and Brighton are the beacons. Yeah. I suppose North, North London is it more so? Um, I think there's a lot of spots in North London for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, North, North London is kind of a, you know, Islington's and Camden. It's like a byword. Yeah, Stone Newington. People, people, people yeah. use it as yeah. a byword for yeah. like a metropolitan sophisticated. That, yeah. that sort of. Yeah. But I, I wanted to ask about that. The, okay, they're coming back from playgroup or whatever with Bang Bang, You're Dead. There must be lots of other stuff going on in the playgroup as well, and that's the stuff that they like as four-year-old. Boys, how much is it societal, and how much is it that that's just what young boys are interested in? Yeah, of course. And look, I'm I don't think just because they play games where they go bang bang all day that they're going to grow up and go like ah, I'm going to take this to the next level. Um, I just <laughs> I just find it uh, absolutely and and like I've got I've got um, a couple of mates also lesbian parents and they they have a daughter and. Um, so they they were like, what well, we're gonna, you know, we, we don't want her. We want her to know that she can have a football or she can play with a science set because they're both really clever and and um, into all of that kind of like science and politics and all of that. And she likes yeah. My Little Pony. She likes pink. She likes princesses. She loves. Right. That's what she likes. She doesn't want to wear anything that's not pink or not purple or lilac or whatever. That's what she wants. And they're like, we have not done this. It's, she it's, has asked for it. It's a, it's a shame away there's that, is it? It's also an apologetic thing going on. People go, oh, I've tried not to get them to wear a princess thing or to play with a gun. That's my sister. But, she's a science teacher. She's got uh, three boys and one girl, and the boys are all into, you know, just, oh, what, what, what colour can I turn my snot if I mix it with different things? And she goes, yeah, science. And then the girl just wants pretty pink dresses. Yeah. And then, she but loves that stuff. And my, isn't that the thing, though, that... All, all the challenging gender stereotypes are all great, but does that mean we have to get rid of all gender stereotypes no, as well? I know, I mean, that, that, can we both live along alongside each other? I, th- I think also there is a danger if we start um, saying, oh, pink is bad or oh, girls shouldn't have like pink. Then that's also quite... I sort of there's a quite I think a bit of internalized misogyny in that if we associate a color pink with being female or woman then we go there's something wrong with that color because do, I got gotcha. you do, do you know what I mean yeah, there's man. nothing wrong with girls liking pink there's nothing wrong with boys liking pink there's nothing wrong with I mean it's 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 uh it's when like when I was growing up I didn't like any of that stuff but that was all the stuff that was available to me so I just used to play with my brother's toys so I'd have action men or lego or all that right. sort of stuff and star wars toys but 
it's, all it needs to be is that there just needs to be, in a way, kids can just play with whatever toy that they want to play with. And I think most parents are down with that. You know, they're like, they get it. Yeah, I was wondering whether some tropes develop simply because people choose identity. Like even amongst lesbians, there's, you know, lesbians kind of hairstyles, clothing and so on, areas to live, you know. And some people will, will choose these things simply because they want an identity, a group identity. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so I don't think it all just. I don't think it's all necessarily a negative thing, you know. That's uh, in many ways no. it's, it's choice, right? It, 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 but the thing is, it's like everything is fine when it comes when it feels like it's a choice and when it feels like it comes from a place of like, oh, this is what I want. It's when it feels like there is no other sort of choice and girls are kind of um, sort of you know channeled into a particular area well you're a girl so you probably will like doing this and you're probably right this is the kind yeah. of that's all so do you, do you remember feeling marginalized <laughs> as a kid for not being in the pink or anything else or that kind of stuff oh no I, I just felt completely like out of the girl thing right I, I didn't I I, 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 or I knew from a very young age that uh, there's something not quite right with what I was with me right but I didn't know what it was I was like where, where did you grow up um, Kingston, which um, suburb of you know Kingston upon Thames. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Richmond. Yeah, 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 yeah. Around there. Not, yeah. not Hull. Not Hull. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, no, not nothing against Hull, by the way. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, uh, but it was. Um, yeah, I mean, I think anyone that grew up gay in the, <clears throat> in the eighties, you know, there wasn't a huge, particularly as a woman, uh, as a young girl. I mean, you, there wasn't. I mean, I didn't know any lesbians. I didn't. There weren't any lesbians on the telly. I didn't. There wasn't. I didn't think. I didn't know there was anything like. I suppose there was really, was there? No. No. Well, I, I mean, there no, might like lesbian be. clubs. There wasn't really anything. Well, there were. There much. were lesbian clubs, but obviously I was ten. <laughs> right. They wouldn't um, let you in. Not lesbian playgroups. So you're being, <laughs> being marginalised in that way as well. Why can't yeah, I come into your club? Because of my age, so I'm not judged that way. Yeah. <laughs> so unfair. Um, yeah, I think. I think it's interesting when you're, if you grow up and, you know, you're gay, but you don't know you're gay and you're growing up in the 80s, that, that was a bit, that was probably, that, that wasn't great. And also, because I never wanted to wear dresses and it used to drive my mum up the wall. She was like, why don't you want to wear a dress? And I was like, I genuinely feel like I'm in drag. So I don't want to wear a dress. Really? Yeah. Okay. And uh, she would always like foist these horrible clothes onto me and it was just honestly there's pictures of me in these dresses and I can see the look of just absolute panic (laughs) on like just horror on my face me like just I look just I look like a scarecrow I look completely out of right I'm out of my comfort zone and I used to look at my brothers going I think got like they've got like 10 pairs of trousers they can pick from I've got like two and all these bloody dresses I'm really interested in this because to me it's like I don't know whether that leans more towards a genetic argument because that, that wouldn't have been because you were told you were being told that you should be wearing a dress, right? So that, yeah. that was all the information that you're a girl, you wear a dress. But something in you went, this feels wrong. Oh, I'm yeah. wondering whether there's also many boys who don't want to wear a dress and that it's the same feeling, just feels wrong. Yeah. Or rather, rather than because they're being told boys shouldn't wear dresses. I mean, do you know what I mean rather than it being societal? That, that, that's gonna be, yeah. You, do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Whether, oh, whether oh, it's whether it's, whether it's naturally you in them as well. But of course, of course. I, I, but clothing's a really think... odd thing, Jen. It's really odd that the, 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 clearly a dress is a social construction, right? Yeah. You know, but it's odd that you can have a feeling at a young age to go, "This feels wrong." You you can you you have it you you have it from. Uh, 
children come fully formed in many ways and you can guide them and you can direct them and you can help them move in a particular way but who they are as people they arrive born they are they are this person yep. and if that is gay or if that is trans or if that is somebody who really enjoys rock music it tends to be like from the beginning it's there yep. well, e- even conservative or liberal absolutely a book by uh, Paul Bloom called Just Babies Right. It's about the moral foundations that babies have and how early you can tell this baby is going to be really left-wing or yeah. this baby's right. going to probably lead to the right. Yeah, you can definitely... I mean, I totally believe that, that it's like, you know, um, it's not just, oh, my parents voted uh, Labour, so I'm a Labour supporter. It is... I do totally believe it's like that's... Your kind of morality is obviously can be guided in... in, in down a, down a road, a particular road, but instinctively your values are instinctively. If you are, say, a generous person and you give yeah. a lot of your money away, or or you're um, generous with your time, that's not something that your parents did for you. That is often something that you. It's, I think is. I mean, I might be wrong, but I believe that's something instinctive and something that you're born and is inherent in you. But with all of that, so say you are born with all of these feelings, or uh, uh, um, uh, you come as, as a fully formed human a gay, for example, um, like I am, um, then it's tricky then if society doesn't then embrace that person or understand that person. So, right. like, the, those parents that lost their mind because that kid wanted to, that young boy wanted to wear a dress to school. Right. I thought it was, like, just insane that they got upset about the fact that a young boy wanted to wear a dress yeah. and that they had to take their kid out of the what school. What age was this boy? They were like, I don't know, five or something. Right. Um, and he wanted to wear a dress to school, so they took their kid out of that school because they didn't want their kid to see a boy in a dress. That's and amazing, isn't it? I just think... Really? That, yeah, That's I just think... The moral panic behind that is just... But where is the moral... But there's no... There's no there's no moral kind of code or boundary that's been crossed from a boy But that, that to me feels, that instinct that they have to pull their kid out of school, feels to me like believing a kid is a witch or something. It's almost... That to me is as rational as that. Um, shouldn't we expect a few of those people though? Oh, absolutely. I mean, should we expect a few of those? And aren't they the ones who are different, really? Now, but but, but then, but then the amount of support that the media gave that couple for taking their kid out, I just thought was kind. Yeah, of I didn't like, follow this story. Yeah, there was a lot. Valley, there but... was a lot, of, obviously, because most of the press is right wing. <laughs> but there was a lot, lot of support for that couple, and I was really surprised. I think I put something on Twitter where I went, "What is wrong with a girl, um, a boy wearing a dress? I, if my son wanted to wear a dress, I'd let him." And then the amount of abuse I got for that. What a terrible parent putting a dress on your boy. I'm like, hang on a second. I'm just saying, if you wanted to wear a dress... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I'm not going to like, son, yeah. you're wearing a dress to school whether you like it well, or not. Well, you are now. Now this <laughs> yeah. has happened. Um, so, I don't know. But, um, so, the difference of like, um, if society doesn't allow a, a person to be who they are... And, and I think sometimes that's what I was saying, you know, if we live in a patriarchal society... And because we think women aren't equal, because we know women to be not equal, there's something like um, it, there's something that, that that is seen as reductive for a man to be seen in a dress because oh look, like you're like a bird, and you don't want to be like a bird, yeah, you know, because you know birds are like, Ugh. Um, then that's that's where the patriarchy can impact on on a, a, I think negatively on men because it doesn't allow men to fully to be able to express the the, the many myriad or rainbow of um, of people that they can be as opposed to you're a bloke this is what blokes do this is how blokes behave I, you know, I, f- I fully agree with what you're saying that in the, in the, in the 
there should be that freedom of choice, right? Yeah, we should be just able for to, men to And also be because, you know, we're, we're artists anyway, and we, we like, we, we appreciate artistic expression, so yeah. people express themselves in clothes and so on. But I, I think people often, though, react to those who are on that bandwagon who actually want to shut down all their traditional values. And, and I think that, that's what causes panic in people. Like, so you're saying that a girl can't wear a dress, or you're saying boys can't wear trousers and so on. I, th- I think that becomes the other side of the coin, rather than the people who are saying, no, it's freedom to do whatever. Oh, absolutely. And, and God, whoever's saying that is a fucking idiot. I think I mean, there's a fair just, bit of that around, though. You, you, you know, you're the, the whole point of, of, of self-expression is exactly what you said to, to whoever you are. Because there's plenty of blokes who are blokes, 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 who are perfectly happy with the way things are. And I, well, this actually exactly fits who I am as a human. But they are, I believe, in the minority. And I think we should just allow all of us to be able to have that self-expression. And actually, I think there's a really high suicide rate in young men. And I think a big part of that is not allowing men to express themselves in a way that would actually help them work out or work through a lot of their problems. There's also a huge amount of pressure, I think, on young men to achieve or be or hit a certain target or, or meet a certain level like if real blokes are like this and if you know you should achieve this and I think it, that can cause anxiety it can cause uh, depression and it can cause you know it can lead to suicide as well that's yeah, why yeah. I think the patriarchy is bad for men do, do, you have, do you have some anger that no one had the right conversation with you as a child then or did, did people were there, were there a few people who, who recognise you're gay you don't wear a dress or whatever and just went uh, and we're, we're able to say the right things. You went, uh, oh, okay, I'm normal, I'm fine. No, you just, I just worked it out. Really? I just got to my 20s and went, do you know what? This is bollocks, I'll just do what I want. Okay. Yeah. So I can understand how that, how that would leave you with a sort of residue of going, that, that's not right. Yeah. I, don't, yeah. I, think, I don't think people were having those discussions. I don't, I don't, do you remember in the 90s people? I mean, I'm talking early 90s, people talking about this sort of stuff. You know, I, I just don't. I don't, I don't remember. By early 90s, I mean, I'd run off to the holiday camps and so on by then, and uh, and I kind of enjoyed a world, of, I think that's what, what attracted me to entertainment, was a world where people were able to express and be different. Where did you work? I, I went all around the country working holiday camps, and I, I got away from home as soon as I was 17, and it, wow. it was like joining the circus. That sounds great. And it felt like joining the circus, it was like they were all kind of, you know, the people that were considered freaks in the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. And going, hey, <laughs> this is my new normality. Out. You know, I was, I was, Raised um, Catholic, so yeah. Yeah, it, me leaving home in like ninety one to go to university. You were ninety one. I was ninety one. <laughs> yeah. Left you it really late. Absolutely that great. Ben- well, I mean, that Benjamin Button thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that was yeah. That, um, the years I was at university were me gradually sort of losing my faith and realizing all sorts of things. Yeah. Which, you know, I think university for me was a time where I was like, oh my God, I actually think I'm a massive gay. Yeah, really? <laughs> um, yeah. But, but again, even though I did a degree in theatre, there weren't, there weren't any... There weren't really any gay women. There was one, and she was absolutely mental. Um, and we didn't get on. Um, but there weren't, there weren't really that many gay women. So right. again, I, I still sort of went, am I, aren't I? Maybe I'm bisexual, blah, blah, blah. Because everyone was like, bisexual so yeah, all the yeah. girls were bisexual but not enough to actually sleep with a girl they were just like i'm bisexual oh, oh really i'm bisexual shall we no okay right yeah um, <laughs> liar liar um yeah so I, I think it was like when i was about 22 so i was quite late i went oh right. yeah i'm lesbian really yeah it's 22 yeah it's quite late isn't it yeah but but in the context of 
being in the night. I think a lot of I think a lot of people came out about then. But I mean, I've got I've got friends of mine who came out of school. I, my ex girlfriend came out um, when she was at school. She was in school in Blackburn. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, that to me is like fucking hell. And there was a, there was like two or three of them that they all came out, like just these three emo lesbians in a school in Blackburn. I said, did you get bullied or did people tease you? She went, no, no one cared. Oh, really? like, that's amazing. So it's changed quite fast then, hasn't it? Yeah, mm. I mean, she's I mean, she's probably about five five years younger than me, but I was like, there's no way on God's earth I could have come out in a Catholic girls' convent school in, in, in Wimbledon and said yeah. I was a, a, a gay. I mean, I, you, I would have been a social pariah. <laughs> I was just, no way. I mean, you, people would have avoided me like the plague. I mean, I think I was, until I went to university, I was pretty homophobic. Not, not in a sort of massive socialised way, just, just I had been told and taught uh, it's not natural, it's really? a sin, all these things. And I then you come in and then you meet people who are gay and awesome and you just go, this is just bullshit. Yeah. I suppose it's the same with drugs, isn't it? You're told, is it? Yes. Yeah, drugs and so on. And it's <laughs> like a kid, you like, something like that guy in the tunnel in the advert going, no, I can stop any time I like. <laughs> and then, then one day you walk into a room and everyone's really happy and having a good time. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We, we had. We had. A, we had a I'm not saying you should do drugs, kids. So I'm just saying there are some little bits of party fun around. <laughs> Be wise. We had a, a really we sort of awesome, fairly cab, really outgoing uh, Spanish language teacher called Alberto. Who used to be the uh, he, he was the interpreter for Prince Edward. Oh, was he? Yeah, and another he, he used to, he used to okay, well, mm-hmm. this well his claim was that Prince Edward, because his luggage never got uh, searched, used to smuggle, <coughs> used to smuggle gay porn for him. Oh, really? Oh, really? That's oh, what I absolutely can totally believe that. Exclusive, you heard it here on the show. I mean, what's his name? Who's he married to? Is it Sophie? Sophie? She's a big old, big old lesbo. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. 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 My, my mate met, met her at some do, and she was like, oh, yeah, she's... You might have to edit this bit. No, no, no we're not going to edit. As you know, we, this, unless you teach me how to edit after this... <laughs> I don't have time, do Nothing goes. To save yourself goes, from in. the libel. <laughs> do you think with your, with your audience now, are you getting a demographic? Are you getting a fan that you recognise? Um, I used to, and you won't be surprised to hear this, exclusively get almost all just gay women. Right. How, when you say used to, how, how far back are you going? Do you mean um, very like, recently? If, if, if we go back, say, even four years right. um, uh, here at the festival, then um, probably, I mean, not exclusively, but a majority, of, a, lot of the, a lot of my audience would be gay women. Whereas now I think a lot of my audience are young women. And I think that's from doing the Guilty Feminist podcast that Deborah Francis White has. And, okay. and, and that has such a phenomenally big audience. And those women basically um, are like huge fans of that podcast. So then they'll, if they like you on that, then they just follow you around and, and, and watch your So it's more of a feminist following than a lesbian following, you think? I think now it is, yeah. And yeah. I, think, I think the... The show that I've written this year probably is 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 what they want to hear. It's something that they want to hear right. more. And I I'm not saying I have done that deliberately because I haven't. It's just the way that the show. No, is but are you getting stuff off your chest this year that you think? Yeah, finally, yeah. yeah. I, and I think I, I wanted to do it the last time I was here, and I tried. But um, I don't think I was like. I don't think I was a good enough comedian to be able to write the stuff I wanted to write and say what I wanted to say. That's interesting. I, I, so, I think I'm a better comedian now, so I can, I can say that stuff in a in a funny way that I was like, just it would have been just like a fucking. It's sometimes it's sometimes really hard to say a thing and make it funny that you actually have strong feelings about. Yeah, isn't it? and also it's really hard not to get tied in and make it personal. Exactly, and, make yeah. make it personal and or be 
angry in a way that is not like, you know, you can be angry like you do it. Well, you both do. Well, you get angry about something, but it's kind of like funny angry because you're like, yeah. this is just fucking ridiculous rather yeah. than actually I genuinely yes. uh, want to hurt someone about this. Yeah. Um, and I, I know um, there's a lot of criticism sometimes, I think, for comedians who are really good at writing political stuff and who have done it their entire career. Um, you know, it can be quite dismissive of comedians that don't do that. Like, you know, oh, you know, I don't know why everyone's not talking about politics and what they yeah. do. But actually, that's a real skill to be able to do that. And for comedians that do that well, it's I'm always in awe of them. I think, wow, that is brilliant that you've taken that subject. It's quite a dark subject. It's really, and you've made it funny. That that if you haven't been doing that, then you've got to spend another few years trying to work up right. to doing that. You can't just suddenly arrive and go, and now here's some satire. Because you'll probably a be a bit shit. Yes. And, and as I was, you know, when I tried four years ago, it was okay. It wasn't great. And no, it, it takes going out of your comfort zone a little bit, doesn't it? When you're you're way out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Way out of your comfort zone. And I think... Um, and I'm you've still talk, not You've talked about family, and you've talked about your life quite a lot, right? I, but so, so this is now... Yeah. Right, you've done anecdotal quite a lot. So, but, so this is now kind of a bit of a new angle that you're... A different way of expressing yourself. D definitely, and I get, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, uh, try, you know, trying to do something where I'm uh, instead of looking inwards, I'm sort of looking outwards a bit more. Um, and um, and I want, I think that's will pr probably be the direction I try and go now as a comedian. Right. Um, I, again, I don't. I, I think I, hopefully, as I get better as a comic, um, and I get better as a writer, then I. I you know that material will get better. I still yeah. don't think it's like, you know, come and see Jen Brister. She's really nailing her. This. She's solved it. She's solved the problems. <laughs> the problem is over now. Yeah, exactly. But no one needs to speak. <laughs> no one needs to speak on the subject again. Um, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. Right. And I can see why comedians who do that comedy probably get a lot more out of their set than people that. It does make it easier also when you're doing a like if you do do an interview or whatever. It's, it's easier to talk about a thing, isn't it, that you do care about? Yeah. Rather than just, well, what's, what's your comedy about? Oh, yeah. Just me talking about my mother. Oh, yeah. Jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really, yeah. If you look at the top of an interview in a magazine, you know, you know, Jan Brister talks about uh, local Dave, you probably don't know, you had to, you had to be there. You know, yeah. Or talks yeah. about this thing that you care about that affects you as well. Yeah. Do you think some of it is that the audience, um, the audience is catching up to these things? Like If you use a word like patriarchy... If you used that word and you were doing stand-up in the early 90s, oh. you would you'd probably live in a van. And you know what I mean? That, that, that was a proper sort of... Uh, you have a political yeah. lesbian who... Oh, you wouldn't... I wouldn't get work anywhere. And even if you'd done like... I do... I've got a 10-minute set on periods in my show. Right. And we all know uh, that period jokes were... Oh, of, a, of, a, of a period. Uh, there was a period of time. Of the eight, one that we talk period. about periods. Um, <laughs> Do, 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 did you ever hear, do you ever get people saying to you, um, I don't know if it would be said to you because you're blokes, but when people talk about female comedians to you, yeah. um, did you ever hear anyone go, I just don't really like female comedians because they just talk about their periods? That was a big thing going a lot, a back to years. Ago, yes. when, when, when there were, yeah, I think at the beginning when there was um, an increasing number of female comedians, and I think that happened largely because there was an area that no one had done jokes about. Yeah. It made sense. There was an area that, that no one was talking about. But along with that, of course, the same as with any subject, there were people just doing really generic stuff. And there was other people who had interesting things to say on the subject. And because and, and what happened when I started doing stand-up, which is after you, um, when I was an open spot, 
it was a really weird, um, sort of, you know, late nineties, early noughties. I think it was a really weird time because I did feel like that was something I was told by pretty much everyone. Don't talk, <coughs> talk about that. It's, it's hack, you know. That's that's all female comedians talk about, and so don't touch on that subject. And I, and I've talked to other women about that. I said, did you? if it feel like you couldn't talk about your body and oh yeah I would never do that because you wanted to get booked and you wanted to impress and you wanted to seem it did become edge. it did become hacked to a certain extent probably but only as, as loads of subjects became hacked but, but it's weird but would like, you say knob jokes are hacked knob jokes and have, no one's ever went oh don't talk about your knob mate like you could always do a knob joke you can always do a knob joke but uh, so all right. Okay. See, I, I wouldn't just to. I, I, I wouldn't say. I, I don't think subjects are hack per se. I think no, subjects I don't feel plus that way, angles. No, but or jokes might or do. Jokes waver. Yeah, but audiences I think, might do. Or club or, or might go. It's, yeah, it's another promoters. I mean, I agree with you hundred percent. It's totally. You can any subject can can seem hack, can't it? Like people go, I hate it when people talk about relationships on stage. Well, actually, I really like it if it's done yeah. well. Yeah. It's not like exactly. oh, you know, birds like scatter cushions. Yeah, okay, I've heard that joke a million times. But if you are doing something different. <laughs> on relationships that's, you. you know that, yeah. that's it's funny you know and I, I, I there's no subject to me that is hack if you like you said you take a different angle to it so in answer to your question and I've gone around in a fucking circle here um absolutely there are subjects now that audiences are catching up to that definitely you couldn't talk about before I could not have done a 10 minute set at the Glee Nottingham about periods four years ago or five years ago and I totally can now and I and not only can I do it, but women and even men love it. There's there's it's it's a different time now, it, and I'm not saying it might not last that long. It might end soon. But maybe but, it's just where you're at as a comedian, you're able to talk about it, and make the subject interesting, and yeah. that is the difference. I think. I think Absolutely, just, uh, I think there's a there's there's been a shift. There's been a shift in in what audiences will and won't put up with. There's yeah. been a shift in my confidence, definitely. What I've care and care not about you know you know when you stop like I actually don't give a shit I'm going to talk about it and probably because I am a better comic because I've I've just been fucking relentlessly uh, on the circuit for so long um, uh, you know in that four years I've just been banging away uh, so you, you do get better yeah so I think this it's kind of like all comes together to make it possible for me to be able to do talk about this shit really yeah 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 but you also get you, you start getting an audience who are more interested in what you talk about as well, I guess. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's exactly. It's, it kind of, sort of yeah. like all kind of builds as one. Yeah. Do you get the Do you get the eye roll from some people? I'm saying. I, I remember. I remember I'm years and years ago. So this can't be later than the mid nineties. Uh, stay with my sister in Newcastle. And trying to show her, you know, with a little VHS tape. Oh, these are some stand-ups that you know. I need stand up. I'll start doing it myself. And uh, Hattie Hayridge, you know, they tend to be just joke. Yeah, she's driven. great. Yeah, she's yeah, yeah. Great, Hattie. Really, really funny. And you, you so wouldn't think, oh, Hattie Hayridge is going to go on about periods. But that's what my sister said. Oh, female comedians go on about periods a lot. I went, really? And I put Hattie on. And she talked, like, she had jokes about uh, pepper mills and fox hunting yeah. and her neighbours. Right. Right. And then she had one joke that mentioned, mentioned and my sister went, mercy. And it was like, whoa. Yeah, there's the, a lot of internalised misogyny there. And also, if she is talking about a period, The confirmation bias on that. Yeah, yeah. the confirmation bias, that's it. I think, I think young women don't have that. And uh, or if they have it, I can't they're remember it wasn't it that long ago that that you couldn't even advertise uh, 
products to do appearance on TV and so on. And also, so it was, it was all a bit gu- gooey yeah. and gory and yeah. uh, to people. I think. I think so, some people do have a visceral reaction to anything to do with you know blood goo and. Yeah, I, I, I found this, some of that be there as out. well. Why? Well, well I, you know, a lot of my show this year is about disgust. Of course, yeah, yeah. And about how I disgust, score really low on when when you do tests to see how easily disgusted you are. I'm, I'm not very easy to discuss. So I, I you talk, surprised me, Liam. I talk them through things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wearing moss right now. If you can't see me. He's got shit all over his face. <laughs> <laughs> This is, what, this is a question, a question from one of these uh, questionnaires. I, I just blew my mind that anyone would be disgusted by this. It's like watching somebody put ketchup on ice cream. And it has quite a big reaction from the crowd. Really? Is someone eating it? I don't, I, I don't know. I'm just... just I mean, that's not what I'm saying. Watching, there's someone putting ketchup on ice cream. And people all go, Neh. Oh, wow. Oh, I bet wow. they're really badly to period on ice cream. Well, exactly. So I'm thinking, God, if that's... The, if, oh, if that's enough to discuss people, no wonder they can't use anything that looks like menstrual blood <laughs> in an advert. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. What about strawberry sauce? Have they got a problem with that? I don't know. On ice cream? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Come it's on. I mean, get, a, get, a, get a grip. I don't know. It's, it's weird what people get upset about. And I think my show does make some people really just angry. Really angry. And I, co- I quite. I, when I you quite see like one that. of them, when you see someone's face reacting that way, do you focus in on them or are you going to ignore them? Of course, I'm focusing on them. Yeah, we've discussed it before. Oh, it's yeah. weird, isn't it? Uh, there was a woman. It on... could be a hundred people and it could just be one person. Yeah. And then you just... Well, that's. Dang. Just... What day is it today? Oh, God, every day is the same. It's maybe about three well, shows. We're, uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. It's about, yeah, it must have been like Saturday. There were uh, three uh, couples in and they were like 60 plus. And they obviously, I don't know, maybe they got flyered uh, and they saw the stars, didn't read the show. But anyway, didn't find out, didn't know anything. But they, I'm, the description of the show makes it relatively clear what the show's about. And then the, there, was, there was a woman just was so angry, but not, not in a way that she was like, she wanted me to know. So she was totally locking eyes with me, like really confrontational. And wow. I would just, every time I got eye contact with her, I'd smile and just right. carry on and in the end like it was like five minutes before the show was about to finish so it's a bit where it, you bring the show down ready to close it and then they just went right now's the time to go get up and go and I it's like, weird oh. when people last that long isn't it and I just thought there just was a bit of me, five minutes before I had it, that the other day I was like f- five minutes in I was like you're, this is, you're gonna hate this yeah. and there was a bit of me that wanted to go just go yes go now yeah but I didn't. I was like, no, just keep going. Maybe I'll win them over. And then by the middle of the show, I was like, well, you're going to fucking hate this bit because it's 10 minutes from periods. And, um, and <laughs> then by the time they, like, she was like, didn't even know where to look. She was so angry. And then she just left. And it, I, I found it really distracting. Just so distracting. I couldn't, I, because her, the energy coming from her was so negative that I kind of just sort of totally absorbed it all and it really was, affected was, the show to I might have told this story before anyway, I'm not sure but a little while ago there was a, a woman in the audience and when I said the word shit I saw her face do this like like, like properly clamp up Has she not been but, to a stand up show before? But it was like I, I think she actually or maybe she was really visceral maybe she actually <laughs> saw a steaming shit in her head you know maybe it was like maybe for her the visual image is instant and really real. I feel like every time I, I kept saying it because it was kind of fascinating seeing this expression. <laughs> just I can't do, can't I don't know how to describe this expression really. It's like she's having an electric shock. She was like shock she's having an electric ass. shock. Yeah, yeah, right through her body. It was like every time I said it, I felt like I was actually shitting in her brain. <laughs> <You know? laughs> There's something quite. Um, 
So no, it's. I shouldn't have that kind of power. <laughs> yeah, but, but there is something weird about like, you know, if it was a twenty-minute set, I'd probably yeah. got a bit of a kick out of this woman not enjoying the show. Uh, yes. Um, but when it's an hour, then. Then they're draining, aren't they? It's, it, they drain it out of you. But in a twenty-minute set, if I see, if I lock in on someone that's not enjoying it, there's a bit of me that kind of like goes, uh, uh, providing everybody, I've got the rest of the room on site. Yes. By the way, there's a bit of me that I quite like that. Yeah. Yeah. But not in an hour. In an hour, I don't know what. It's just completely different. No, in an hour, there's a different feeling to the whole. That's, that's quite an interesting thing, actually. Because in a twenty-minute set, what we're doing is just going I'm on just to impress, aren't we? Out. Yeah, it's like a. And yeah. we're in someone else's bill. We're in someone. We're really doing someone else's show when we do a twenty-minute set. Yeah, no one's there to see you. But this is your two or show. Two other this people is... on as well. So if if you go badly, you're not ruining everyone's Someone's night. night. Yeah. 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 And this the, the hour show. You don't really have excuses. It's your show. Uh, you know, everything you do is you, you can't say that bit didn't go well because of the act before me. Yeah. <laughs> doing a similar thing. Yeah, so. yeah. So it's all down. It's all on your shoulders. It all matters a bit more. It matters a bit more, and also it feels like that hour is something you've really um, put your heart and soul into for quite a sort of uh, long. You know, it's not like I don't know nine months. Yeah. And so it feels quite personal when people like think it's shit, or or if you just have one of those shows that just it's really flat or a bit dead yes which, yeah. which is impossible to like escape I, I, they're odd aren't they, they, they I just how many do you think happen over a festival where you just get a flat crowd I think it's at least two or three nights oh definitely I had I, I had one that was even more than flat I think it was just a death um, the, the first Wednesday of the festival right so well, the first Wednesday if you do the free fringe thing yeah. Um, yeah oh my god I think I'd forgotten because I haven't done the fringe for about three years uh, it was like um well, you're, you're almost in panic here going, there's a different voice going, what am I, what's going on? I don't understand why this... Oh, yeah, this is all... And also, this yeah. is stuff I have in a club set, so I, I know this is good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And when it... It's really weird, isn't it? You think... And the day before it went really well, the day after it goes well, and then that day you're like, fucking hell, what's going on? But frequently you come out and you talk to the other comedians and find everyone's had this weird crowd tonight. Yeah, it's weird. You know, so someone's upset them at lunchtime. <laughs> the earliest, the earliest, the eleven o'clock comedians ruined it for everybody. Have you, have you ever thought, and on a gig like that, especially like an Edinburgh show like that, where every other show's gone well, and this is a bit, this is a killer bit. Yeah. But like you said, if it's from a club set, and they don't react at that point, you go, you're, it's you feel you. like a, a like a doctor who's hammering someone's knee and nothing's happened to the leg. Oh, it's a corpse. This yeah. Is not, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you ever find yourself thinking while you're talking on stage? Did I miss the news today? Like, is this like has the Queen died? Yeah, something or something that I'm not. Yeah, I, I, I have that thing where I. It's it's not that I don't think that I think I actually go out of myself and I start. Um, I can almost see myself on stage. It's like I, I'm no longer performing. I'm literally now. I'm going through the motions, which is probably now ploughing this gig into the ground, That's and I fair. and I can kind of just feel myself. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I'm no longer in the gig. I'm now out of the gig. I'm totally in my head. Yeah, yeah, you do go. I'm to totally in my head. Will you tell them? What that they're shit. Yeah. I used to. I don't now. Not ever. No. Well, no, not ever. But I, I haven't so far in this festival. Oh, I did. I did with the crowd the other day, but more, more having fun with it and just, just trying to. But you, it was you, one of those ones where I wished I'd had a screen up on stage to show them how wrong their reaction is. This is the audience yesterday laughing at that same joke. Here's last week's audience. That's, that's what we actually supposed to get. It's clearly you. Yeah, I did it. I saw Marcus Birdman's show on a Saturday, which was just a really, you know, that Saturday was insane, wasn't it? It was like 
Saturday just got it. was All so right. busy. Yeah, great. And um, he's in espionage, and and so to get into his venue, the Casbah, you you're kind of like sort of funneled into these tunnels and downstairs and upstairs and round corridors. Yeah, and by the time yeah. you get to the venue, you're hot, you're stressed. You feel like this. You're like, I want to get out of here. And then you get into the venue, and there's no seats, and you're standing at the back. And then everyone just feels really anxious and weird. And I watched Marcus have what is a, a really slick hour of stand up. Yeah. It's like bang, 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 bangs of gags. And even he was just like, what, you know. And it, and I know where the audience were because they were just really stressed because it had been really stressful right. to get in. And that kind of it wasn't that people weren't enjoying it, but they, that was still sort of there hanging over them and then the thought of oh now we've got to get out at the end and it's going to be just as stressful to get out as it was to get in and yeah. he's just like what the fuck is wrong with you people you know did you tell yeah. him i did i said to him it, it it had nothing to do with you it had everything to do with the way that they managed that venue really badly but i think i think that's really helpful information as a comic to, to know what your audience might have just been through yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. When you, especially if you might not have it in your head what is going on here when you, if you could say something like, "Do you find it a bit stressful getting into this room?" and you could call them on it and maybe help help them relax and yeah, yeah, and change the gig. I mean that that venue when it's busy is 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 great because you will always have a full room, but it's terrible because the audience are like, it's not good for them. You know, you want to be able to just. It's better if they stand outside, then they go in, and but you can't do it in that venue because all the rooms are in those. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sort of. So many weird venues around Edinburgh. And I love it. I've, I've got one with a curtain across it. Well, you know it, Whistlebinkies. You've. Uh, oh yeah, I loved past, it. I, I absolutely there, loved it. Do you love it? I, I love it, and I don't. It's um, when it gets really full in the bar, then the noise bleed is awful. What time are you? Five fifteen. Yeah, well then you were an earlier show back then. I don't think they did shows as late as five, even when I was there. I think maybe they did. Um, because that's when it gets busy, and they don't do anything later than five, do right. they? Right. Um, no, there is a show after me, but, there's a, but he's not on every day, and I don't think he does Saturdays. Okay. Or Fridays. Okay. Why, why do you pick the time slot you go for? A, what one? Yeah. Um, well, you tend to do early afternoon anyway, don't you normally? Uh, well, I have done for the last two times I've been here. Okay. Um, I do it because I get the show out of the way. Yeah. I wake up. Not to be said for that. Wake up go to my venue, do the show, and then I'm done. Then I get to relax, go and see some shows, go home, do whatever I want. Um, and also because the audience are, are fresh, they're awake, they're often their first show of the day, I get loads of energy from them. They're on their first pint of the day, so that, which we all know is the best pint of the day. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. They're all ready to hear about periods, they're aren't really they, that head, time of day? Absolutely, bang on. <laughs> Yeah. Hang on, they want to hear about periods <laughs> uh, and the menopause. Um, so, I've, I've, if you don't mind me asking, I'm curious. Having been through how it used to be treated as a hack subject and then a sort of taboo subject, or whatever, maybe the other way around, and now you say you've got what ten minutes? 15 I think minutes? it's about ten minutes. Yeah. Well, I'd say almost twenty if you include the menopause stuff. Right. I was. Well, I was going to ask, what is it that you say about? But in the in the context of an hour long show, what's your what's your angle on periods? Um, the well the the angle on the periods so i start talking about the menopause and then i talk about how no one really talks about it and how it's a taboo subject and how i think it should be i think it i just, i say something like it's a bit strange that a woman at my age even though i'm it's quite early for me for any woman that i should know 
stuff about it. Right. But I should understand what the menopause is. I should understand what it is doing to my body. Right. I should understand what's happening. But I don't. I don't know anything. And then if I speak to my friends, they don't know anything. And if I speak to my doctor, she doesn't know anything. And then I go on Google and it's like fucking conflicting information. So that's you where... sure it doesn't really exist? Maybe it doesn't I'm, exist. Yeah. Maybe you're just imagining oh, it. Oh, no, it exists. What Let me think? tell you. Yeah. I don't tell you. <laughs> but, um, you're lucky I've got a patch on, Kerry, because otherwise I'm fucking up. Um, yeah, uh... So I, I wanted to talk about it in as much as that, um, just to say to, I've got a friend, she's, she's the same as me, she's perimenopausal, she's 10 years older, because it's usually you get it sort of in your early 50s or your late 40s, I'm happy, right. it's happening early for me. Um, and she was like, the reason I don't want to talk about it, and the reason why I never mention it, um, is because I'm a single woman, I'm in my late 40s, and I don't want men to think that I'm like some sort of dried up old husk. Uh, which is what I think men think because once you enter the perimenopause you're pretty much saying to everybody that you're no longer fertile that you can no longer have children and so therefore there is a sense in societally that what is the point of you now really right. and what I'm saying is is then what are we saying that as in how we value women for women there's plenty of women who don't want to have kids or can't have kids or trans women what kind of message are we saying to those women if we're saying that you are being judged by whether or not you can or can't have children. Because obviously as blokes, you can carry on spunking out until you're dead, can't you? And and so there is a sense that men... You, there is a sense of virility in a man. you're dead, you're overdoing it. Yeah. Yep. No. <laughs> well, if you do it until you're dead, yeah. Just wank him off, he's got a couple of bits left. Um, I don't know, I, th- I think to an extent, men, like you get men in their 50s who have still have kids and stuff and uh, but, there is... but but they're actually a rarity i don't feel like i want to have although no, it'd be but, right for me to have but a there'd child be lots now. of men who wouldn't have a vasectomy because it's like yeah but i'm not having that because i still right. want even though i don't want any more kids and i don't want to impregnate anyone i still you know want, want everyone to know that well, no, i could if i wanted to yeah yeah, yeah. if they it's... were all killed in a train crash i just want to know i could start again <laughs> yeah i could yeah. start the human race again yeah. there is a, and, and i there feel there... that responsibility yeah same um, there is that sort of value put on women i think Right. Well, I think women feel it, even if it's not true, because I think mostly men don't actually give a shit. That's what I think. I don't think. I most think mostly that's true. Yeah. I don't think men are like, oh, what you're perimenopausal. I wouldn't touch you with a barge pole. I don't think that's a thing, and I think it's just something that we put on each other. And I think is I um, again through the magazines and through like um, where our, our value is, you know, as a commodity, it's often how we look. Uh, if we need to look younger than we are, so then we need to give the impression that we probably could have kids even if we can't, uh, that we are still kind of, you know, youthful and beautiful. And I just, the message I suppose is we should reject all that shit because it's like, you know, the, the biggest punishment for a woman is just to age, just staying alive we're punished for. you like, Mary Beard, God forbid that she should look her age and she's got grey hair. It's like, ugh, you disgusting old lady. But, you know, like Jack Nicholson who hasn't seen his dick since The Shining, everyone's like, oh, isn't he a sex symbol? You know, <laughs> there's all those kind of like... Uh, I, I, I just... I, it's, so that, that's the message and then it goes on, I suppose, and then I talk about... Um, uh, being perimenopausal and and I have jokes about you know the woman that put a cat in a bin. No, <laughs> people were like, what the fuck's that woman put a cat in a bin? It's like, what's the matter with her? Well, I totally get it now. 
you know. <laughs> was she though? Was that was that one of the reasons? No, but I mean, like it's just it's just you suddenly, suddenly you, you get the you get the idea of yeah. People are like really. she's put a. F- I mean, I've been times where like I could put a cat in a bin for sure. A fucking cat gave me. A what are you telling us, Joe? You've been putting cats in bins. I'm telling you, Kerry. I'm not ruling. Are you it murdering out. cats, Jen? I'm not ruling it out, mate. It's an exclusive <laughs> live here. Yeah. Lesbian hates cats. <laughs> <laughs> if you live in Brighton now, you've got to put them in the right bin. I'd be putting, definitely putting them the in the bin. The food <laughs> waste. I'd love to see you go along the bins as a cat. Yeah. <laughs> Lesbian cat bin. <laughs> Shut up. We need to wind up, really. So, um, um, what, what do you think? To, uh, how does this Edinburgh compare to other ones in the past, then, do you feel? This feels like it has gone uh, reasonably well. Yeah? yeah? You're happy? Well, happy, no. I mean, I'm not happy. I'm, oh, that's the wrong word. I'm, no, to me, comedians are never totally happy, are we? Or you're but... just not happy per se. <laughs> um, that's too. That we haven't got time to answer oh, that question. You feel like you got some new skills down and, uh, some, and grow yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comic. And I feel yeah. like I've got a show that I like that I'll be doing a very short tour with, and then I feel like I can. I, it won't make me want to kill myself to do this show over and over again. So in that way, I think yeah, that's already great. great. Where, where, where's your tour? Um, all over, so I don't know. I mean, I think I'm in Glasgow and Newcastle in September and then all over the country from October to the end of November. Right. Um, yeah, so just Lancaster, Edinburgh, Aberdeen, all over the place. All right, that's exciting. Is it? I'm dreading it. Isn't it? Well, yeah, is it? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Is it? It's it's exciting. Exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. It is exciting. I say it's exciting. I'm excited. Yeah. Look at this face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he looks so excited. I am. And then do you think you'll do next year? Planning ahead or not? No, I'm not. Don't even think about it yet. I'm not, I don't, can't think about it. It's are too you? big, isn't it? Just how oh, many yeah. things are you going to have to do in your life to make a show happen this year? I can't see that happening. Maybe the year after. Yeah. You're, you're going to have to keep your mum around. Get a dog, <laughs> move house, maybe lose a limb. <laughs> proper big life adventures to happen. Sew up my vagina. Um, and another boy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, get uh, yeah, adopt a kid, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll have to maybe adopt like maybe ten or twelve to really get this. Uh, if we're gonna do this test group, oh right, to get the sample size to to the right and yeah, satisfactory yeah. size. Yeah. yeah. Now you just start putting one of them in a dress, and you got a show. That's it. Work and off the, backing the public <laughs> anger. Boy in a dress. Boy in a dress. People love that. <laughs> um. Okay. I think awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you for popping in on the way to you're on your way to your show now, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm going yeah? over now. What time's what time are your shows? Mine's five fifteen. You're seven thirty. Seven thirty, but it's my day off. Oh, it's your day. Yeah. What are you going to do? Got day up early to see a show. What yeah. time are you on? <sighs> right, it's not now. <laughs> I wanted to go along see you today, but I've, I realised I've got a lunchtime on him. What are you doing? Uh, no, we should wrap this up. We really, yeah, this, 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 this is a conversation that happens after. I'm doing the one yeah, 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 yeah. It's pointless to be yeah, saying. Anyone want a cup of tea? No, yeah. no one here in this is going to go, oh, I should have gone to that show he was doing on that day. No one's still listening. They've stopped. They've stopped listening. Why we bother talking to you people? Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been Jen Brister. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Jen. This is Carrie Marks. And Nick Diddy. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Well done. Well done listening. Insert your own outro. <laughs> <laughs>